0: Broadcasting Company presents Quiet Please, which is written and directed by Willis Cooper and which features Ernest Chappell. Quiet Please for today is called Dialogue for a Tragedy. Yes? Yes, I know the pistol's loaded. Yes, it's perfectly easy to see that it's pointed at my head. Let me congratulate you on a very steady hand. You've held it without moving for almost a minute now. I've been glancing at the clock. Certainly I know what you propose to do. You propose to squeeze the trigger of the pistol just a tiny little hair's breadth at a time. Squeeze it softly, gently, just as you were taught to do out at Fort Riley all those years ago when you were a fat little buck private in the cavalry. Squeeze, squeeze, squeeze the way Ike Martin used to teach it. Squeeze the trigger until you squeeze the bullet right out of the muzzle. Right out of the muzzle, right up my head. And the reason you squeeze the trigger so gently is so as you won't know the exact moment the hammer falls on the firing pin. The firing pin sticks against the cap in the cartridge, and the gas begins to expand. And then I look at you like the young subaltern in Kipling's grave of the hundred head. Remember, with a big blue mark on his forehead and the back blown out of his head. Yes, I remember the grave of the hundred head. I like Kipling. Remember, a Snyder squibbed in the jungle. Somebody laughed and fled, and the men of the first shikaris. Picked up the Sevelton dead. With a big blue mark on his forehead and the back blown out of his head. Very pretty. Very, very pretty. I doubt very much if I'm going to be able to test you out of it. You've got most of the slack taken up on that trigger and now the real squeeze begins, doesn't it? Now you can feel the steel pressing against the steel inside the gun itself, pressing back against the pressure of your finger, as if it's reluctant to give that last irrevocable fraction of an inch. The fraction of an inch that'll let slip that 30 grams of copper jacketed death. I never could remember the names of those parts inside the pistol that make the last final deal with the laws of physics and ballistics. I remember the sear... Whatever it is, and the disconnector and the firing pin. That I never could keep them separate in my mind. And now the sear and the disconnector and the firing pin and the firing pin spring. All the odd-shaped little gadgets inside that gun are conspiring to make a mess of the mind that never could keep them separate. A very fine piece of poetic justice, indeed. No, no. Don't just grip your finger on the trigger. Remember how, like Martin said, squeeze your whole hand? Squeeze even the fingers that aren't touching the trigger. That takes longer. It makes a better game of it. Squeeze your whole hand. The trigger finger will squeeze that along with the others. And presently... Presently. You won't be fucked out of it, will you? Well, then. Perhaps I have time to tell you a few things about yourself before the hammer falls and puts a permanent period to my simple declarative English sentences. If you don't know the exact second the hammer will fall, I don't know it either. It'll be an interesting interlude. All right, I'll begin. A whited settle. A nice and channel house of a man, spotless and clean to the eye, but within a stifling miasma of horror. It's you I'm talking about. You with a pistol pointed at my head. You with your fingers closing on the trigger. You're a thief.
1: dear. The children were here this afternoon. The two children, the adopted ones, and they have some ridiculous idea that everything isn't right about her will. Her will. Why, they say they're both sure that there was another will, leaving all her money to them instead of to you. I know I said it was a good. Yes, they said they knew she'd written another will in her own handwriting, Uh. A uh, holographic will, isn't that what they call it? I know she made that will, leaving all the money to you a long time ago, before the children were adopted. Just, I mean, no, I don't like to discuss it either, dear. I said it was absurd, didn't I? But they knew that you and Sue, well, they knew how Sue grew to dislike you for some fancied wrong or something that I don't know about. And they said, well, you know how Sue was about her heart. They said she'd made a will cutting you off. Yes, I know you're her brother. It's absurd, cutting you off and leaving the entire state to them. And they said they knew where she'd hidden the will. And when they went to find it, it had disappeared. Why, they seem to have some ridiculous idea that you... Of course, I don't believe it. No, dear, they haven't got a sense. They really gave me a guilty feeling with you being the sole heir to all her money.
0: Thief. Rich man. Thief. People don't search out and destroy unfavorable wills in real life. Orphans, children in real life? Do they? Don't they, Thief? You're rich, aren't you, Thief? The kids. A girl. Her name was Celeste. She's married now, got four kids, lives above a saloon down in Baltimore. That's her money that bought that gun you're aiming at me. The boy. Tough little devil, wasn't he? Seventeen when it happened and he accused you right out, didn't he? You shouldn't have kicked him so hard. Too bad he died. It won't be fun meeting him when you die. No, it won't be fun. Not if there's any justice the other side of the grave. He was a bitter young fellow. His sister's money and his money. That's what the gun, wasn't it? Makes you cringe. But I noticed your fingers still on the trigger. And your wife, Norma. She was sorry for the kids, too, but what could she do? You never let her know exactly what became of the kids, did you? A lot of things you never let Norma know. Now, come on, look at me. A lot of things you never let Norma know, weren't there? in here, does she? Here, may I come in? We won't answer, Norma, will we? She'll go away. Maybe Norma thinks you're asleep. Norma doesn't know you're sitting here with your finger on the trigger of a gun. Norma doesn't know. Now she's gone. There are lots of things Norma doesn't know. Traitor almost forgotten about Frederick, hadn't you? Long, long, long time. Poor old Frederick. Almost forgotten that Norman and Frederick were married to each other once, hadn't you? Traitor. Sitting there with that gun in your hand, pointed at my head. You traitor. You'd forgotten Frederick.
2: in a fix. And if Norma finds out, Norma will leave me. She'll leave me, that's all. And I couldn't stand to have Norma leave me. I can't help it. I love Norma. No, I don't dare tell her about it. Of course. Money, of course. I could put it back and nobody'd know about it. So I covered my tracks. Yes, I was cunning enough to cover my tracks. But now, now... Tomorrow, today, now I don't know. Yes, yes, I do know. They'll catch me. And if they do, Norma... I tell you, I love Norma. I don't want to break Norma's heart. There's nobody but you to ask. No, I don't need money, not money. I can put back the money I took, and they'll never know it. I I know I said... Now, all you've got to do... Oh, no, no, it's nothing criminal. No, not at all. You're my friend. And you help me cover up till the dangers past, and I'll always be... But I am your friend. Thank you. How can I thank you? If Norma would ever find it out, she'd hate me and...
3: What? Why, I... I'd die.
0: Gretchen. Almost forgotten you were married to Gretchen then, hadn't you? Gretchen loved you. Ah, oh, yes, Gretchen. Poor little fat Gretchen and her big feet. Poor little Gretchen that discovered bathtub gin when she was 26 years old. Remember that horrible concoction she used to make with Jack Burke's awful gin and a quart of orange sherbet? Orange ice, she always called it. Poor Gretchen blotchy face and the way she used to wheeze when she climbed the stairs. Gretchen loved you. Gretchen loved you when she was slim and cute out there in Kansas City, and Gretchen loved you when she was fat and her hair was stringy and she had that little four-ounce bottle of gin always in her apron pocket. Gretchen loved you drunk or sober. Then she really was a harmless, gentle woman, wasn't she? I remember the first drink she took with you. It was at that place on Harbor Street. She drank with you and made faces at the horrible, tinny taste of it. She loved you. Then, until the day she died. That was long before your sister died. And the kids, the kids and her will. It was such a perfect setup, wasn't it? Wasn't it, murderer? Don't forget you were going to shoot me. Your hand's relaxing a little on the gun. I thought I'd better remind you. Reminiscing we forget the present, don't we? Don't we, murderer?
1: His death was a great shock to me. I'd rather not talk about it, if you don't mind. Yes, if you were his best friend. It's all right to talk about it with you. How could you possibly not know what he was doing? You were not only his best friend, you were his superior, too. His closest superior. How he could conceal his feeling from you. Oh, I thought he was cleverer than any of us thought. Yes. yes, it was a shock, of course. If only he hadn't done it that way. I was always taught that suicide is a coward's way out. But yes, I was in love with him once. No, I think I'd rather forget him. Like a bad dream, I want to forget it has been so good to me. Oh, oh. stop.
3: Please, don't forget.
1: It's quiet life. It's like spreading on thread with flames. And besides, what would press them
0: smelling flat you had. A fat, untidy child with one shoe off bubbling her way through glamorous paint dreams. The sickening smell of raw gin lying thick against the grimy curtains. Better was Gretchen. And once she loved you. Didn't she? And you'd kissed Norma. Hadn't she?
1: That tragedy, haven't we? Poor Frederick, and now poor Gretchen. Yes, grief does bring people together, I suppose. You were very good to me when Frederick. Yes, I'll try to be, of course. Was it really. I mean. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Yes, I was sorry about poor Gretchen's witness. Did she really? Oh, it, it, it was poison liquor. How terrible. Yes. Yes, of course, you poison. I know how lonely I was when poor Frederick. Poor Gretchen.
0: Well, of course, you could get a death certificate where people were dying like flies from poison liquor that year. Now, how could poor Gretchen fail to get hold of poison liquor? Well, I suppose she died happy. Wait a second. I think that's Norma at the door again. Norma's worried. Yes, it's Norma. Let's be quiet. Norma mustn't know what we're talking about in here. Norma isn't even sure there's anybody in this room. Of course, you locked the door, didn't you?
1: Dear, are you in there?
0: Don't say a word.
1: Dear, are you asleep?
0: Be quiet. Go
1: away, Norma. Dear, we've got company.
0: Oh, you've got company, have you? How very nice. And here you sit with a pistol in your hand, reminiscing. Don't want company in here, do you? Dear, it's somebody to see you. Go away, Norma. Company, huh? Company, whited sepulcher. How long have you and Norma been married? Let me see. Frederick died in 1928 in April. That was when Frederick stepped out of the window of his office 11 floors above Webster Place. It was that fall that Gretchen died. October? No, November 1928. And you and Norma were married just before Christmas the same year. The year before your sister adopted those two kids. The kids you stole the money from not very long ago. The money that went to buy the gun and the bullets that are going to kill me. 1928. December. When did you meet Evelyn? When did you meet Evelyn, murderer? Thief. Are there any other names I can give you? Liar. Wouldn't it be strange if that's evil? And wouldn't it be something of evil in his company in your house? Sitting out there in your living room and asking, Norma, where's your husband?
1: Where's your husband? I really thought he was here. I'm so sorry. I don't seem to be able to find him. I'm awfully sorry, too. Did you want to see him on a business matter? Or, why, I suppose you could try a business him again? Perhaps you wouldn't. You tried to reach him in his office, I suppose. I oh, know I didn't. Is there something I could do for you? I could try, you and know, and, and... How long have you been married to him? 21 years. I... You're a very attractive woman. By oh, fact, you're much older than I, of course. Well, I'm sure I don't know. I'm 40. Oh, really? I've never been married. Oh uh, no. That's why I look so much younger. I think. I'm glad. I I always think that the love of a husband compensates for the loss of one's youth. What about married women whose husbands don't love them? Really, I'm afraid I don't know any married women like that. You don't? No. I do. Have you known my husband for a long time? I don't believe I've heard him mention your name. Did I mention my name? Really, I don't know that I've paid any attention. Yes, I've known your husband a long time. Oh? Nearly as long as you have, as a matter of fact. Oh, that's very interesting. Are you sure he isn't hiding from me? Hiding? I must see him. I don't know where he could be. You said you thought he's in his room. Well, I thought so, but evidently I made a mistake. I'd like to go with you and see. Why, really? Where is his room? I'm afraid I can't take you around the house. In there? My dear young woman, is it this door? Really now, this is too much. In here. I'm sure I don't know what. I hear someone talking. Oh, I didn't know he had a visitor. It's a man. You can hear a man's voice. Well, I don't hear anything. As long as it's a man. Well, you tell him I was here then, please. Just tell him that Evelyn was here, and Evelyn is very anxious to talk to him. Evelyn? Evelyn who? I uh, just Evelyn. That'll be enough for him. Just Evelyn. He'll remember.
0: It is Evelyn, isn't it? You heard her at the door, didn't you? You recognized her voice. How are you putting down the pistol? That's bothering you now. There's nothing Evelyn can do to you. Or rather, there's nothing Evelyn will do. Evelyn's a clever girl. Evelyn knows how to keep her mouth shut. Evelyn's kept her mouth shut for more than 20 years. Poor Norma. If Norma knew what she's been missing in those 20 years, if Norma knew how much money you've given Evelyn, money that should have been hers, the house you gave Evelyn. The everything you gave Evelyn that should have been Norma's. God? Break Norma's heart. What? You really do care for Norma, don't you? You really don't want Norma's heart to be broken. Norma has been a good wife, hasn't she? A good, sweet, loving, ignorant, blind wife. Certainly she has something coming to her. You've taken enough from her. Evelyn complicates matters, doesn't she? You thought Evelyn would never come here. You thought Evelyn had everything she wants. She was satisfied with what you gave her. You thought you could straighten everything out and make amends for everything, and Norma would never know about Evelyn. And here you sit with your gun in your lap, and the muzzles pointed straight at my head, and Evelyn's out there with Norma but maybe Evelyn will go away. Norma will never find out about it. I said Evelyn's smart, didn't I? Why should she tell Norma now? How much does Evelyn know about what's happened in the past? How much does she know why did Sepulcher? How much does she know, thief, traitor, murderer, liar... You can kill me, and that'll solve everything. It'll solve everything if Evelyn doesn't tell her. But if Evelyn does tell her... Uh, wait, wait with a gun a second. No, wait. Come over here by the door so you can listen. Listen to what your wife and Evelyn are talking about. Listen, thief.
1: Listen, murderer. Listen. I don't understand. Listen to me. Go on. Listen to Evelyn. I came here to take him away. You can't take my husband away from me. I took him away from you once. No. You love him? You? Yes, of course I love him. You love him no matter what he's done? Listen, Thief. He's done nothing. Listen, traitor. But if he has? You love my husband. Murderer. Yes, I love him. Tell me something. Well, would you love him no matter what he's done? I do love him.
0: Listen white like a sepulcher.
1: Then what if I told you something? Nothing you could tell me would make any difference. Would anything I could tell you make any difference to you? No. Then tell me whatever you will. Listen, Liar. I know so many things. Tell me if you dare to. No. No, I will not tell you anything. Where, where are you going?
0: Well, then. Well, then, Mama will never know. Because you trust Evelyn, don't you? Did Evelyn see something in Mama's eyes that forbade her to speak? Was she reluctant to break another woman's heart? Lift up your gun, wicked man. Lift up your gun. Norma, you see. And now goodbye. Your fingers tightening. Tightening. Tightening on the trigger. A Snyder squib in the jungle. Somebody laughed and fled. And the another. Shikari's picked up the Sevelton dead. With a big blue mark on his forehead. And a...
1: No. I don't know any reason why he did it. No. I don't know any reason why he did it. We heard this shot... We found the key and unlocked the door. No, there wasn't anyone else in the room. Only Roy, sitting in front of the mirror with a big blue mark on his forehead.
0: Today's Quiet, Please! story is Dialogue for Tragedy. It was written and directed by Willis Cooper, and the man who spoke to you was Ernest Chappell. And Kathleen Cordell played Norma, Alan Sparrow was Evelyn, and Frederick was played by John D. Seymour. Music for Quiet, Please! is by Albert Berman. Now for a word about next week. Here is our writer director, Willis Cooper. Thank you for listening to Quiet, Please! Next week, Easter Sunday, Quiet Please returns to its regular time, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I shall have a story appropriate to the day for you. A story called The Shadow of Great Wings. And so until next week, at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I'm Quietly on Ernest Chapel. American Broadcasting Company.